I'm looking forward to trying to preach today. I have a message on my heart about the Holy Spirit and how He works with His people. That's something we know intuitively and deeply if we know God. And at the same time, it's such a potentially vast topic that I really ask for your prayer this morning that God will help me just laser focus on what He wants us to hear. Because the idea of the Holy Spirit and the idea of how He works with us, in some way, I've been trying to preach about for more than a decade in every message. And I'll be trying to preach the rest of my life about God's Spirit and how He works with us. And so, I I feel um, very inadequate as I try to stand to figure out how to put this in one message. And the truth is, I can't figure it out. Um, I can only rely on the Lord. So I want to pray as we start. Gracious Father, Lord, I come before you acutely aware of my own need and my own weakness. God, I come before you recognizing that you alone know what we need. You alone see our hearts. You alone know our weaknesses and our strengths, Lord. You alone know uh, where we stumble and where we can stand. You know, God. And so, as I come before you, I just ask you to clear out any noise from my own head, clear out any noise from this congregation. Let our hearts be focused on you in this preaching period of service, and just come with your Holy Spirit, Lord. You put it on my heart to preach about your Spirit, and I cannot do that unless you come. And so I ask, anoint me with your presence and just help. Let every word that's said be uplifting to you and be illuminating to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read to start with in John chapter 14. I've been trying to figure out how to uh, not read the whole chapter because sometimes that gets too lengthy. So I think I will just take some segments that will illustrate or lay a foundation for this message. In the 14th chapter, first verse, Jesus is speaking. He says, Let not your heart be troubled. You have trusted in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and whither I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, how can we know the way? Can we just pause here for a moment and see the helpless humanity encapsulated in Thomas that I mean he's honest sometimes we pick on Thomas and call him and we have this phrase doubting Thomas but if we're honest with ourselves I might have been just like him and if I wasn't like him I'd probably be like Peter running over Jesus all the time out of step (laughs) over eager (laughs) but Thomas is so honest he says Lord we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way this is so clear right here Jesus says I am the way I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. 
If you had known me, you should have known my father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Now, the way Jesus answers, I've mentioned this many times lately, but he doesn't respond to the question that the people actually ask. He responds to what's underneath it. And this answer is so substantial and sustaining, and really it's the foundation of everything we try to do and everything we believe. And this is the foundation as we try to talk about the Holy Spirit. Thomas is worried about instructions. How am I going to get there? How, how will I find the path? Where are you going? He wants information. And many times we come to Jesus or God in prayer seeking information or instruction or, as some of us might put, marching orders. I struggled with that. I still struggle with it. But I struggled with it more when I was young. It was as if I wanted God to tell me, go do this, and then I would say, okay, see you in a little while, I'll go do it. And as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm realizing more and more and more, God doesn't want to tell me to go do something, He wants me to walk with Him. In the next chapter, Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. Unless you abide in me, you have no life in you. We have to remember as we talk about the Holy Spirit and how He works with His people that there is no life unless we abide in Jesus through His Spirit. That He didn't give us a set of instructions. He didn't give us a protocol. He didn't give us a process. He didn't give us religion. I think we need reminding of that sometimes. Jesus didn't give us religion. He didn't give us church. He gave us Himself. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So, a little bit later, in this same passage, and just for the sake of time, I'm going to skip ahead. 15th verse, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. And then in the 26th verse, just to make it even more clear, Jesus is still speaking. The Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What a beautiful promise. Jesus is preparing, and He does the same thing with us. He's preparing His disciples ahead of time, even though they don't quite understand it, for what is to come, so that when it does come, they will be prepared, and then they'll recognize. This is what He prepared us for. This is what He told us about. He makes it so clear in this passage that He can't stay in bodily form with them forever. 
Even if Jesus could have lived on the earth because he was sinless and not die, his followers would have died. And the idea that this master, that these men have been following like helpless little children, is leaving, is completely perplexing to them and is causing them so much despair that I don't know if we can really even comprehend the level of trouble that they feel at the thought of Jesus leaving. And Jesus tells them a truth that is a hard truth that they can't understand yet. He says, it's necessary that I go away. If I don't go away, I can't send the Comforter to you. But when I do send Him, He will be among you and in you. He will always be with you. It's hard to think of it like Jesus had to leave so He could send something even better. Or someone even better. And not better in a degree of value, but in the sense of the Holy Spirit can do things in our lives that Jesus, the man, walking on the earth, couldn't do. He could still do it through His Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is active in us and does the work that God the Father and God the Son have done. He continues to do inside of us. So... I want us to think about the words of Jesus as we talk about this message. The Holy Spirit and how He works with His people. I think in order for us to understand, or at least recognize, the workings of the Holy Spirit, we need to understand a bit about who He is and who we are. So let's just briefly say a couple things the Scriptures teach. He's the Comforter, the Advocate, the Helper. The Amplified Version of John 14.26 sums it up well, and I'll read that. But the Helper, Comforter, Advocate, Intercessor, Counselor, Strengthener, Standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and He will help you remember everything that I've told you. Scripture tells us that, and Jesus in fact tells us, that He's the Spirit of truth. John fifteen twenty six. When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He shall... Testify of me. We're also told in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. This is a concept that's, it might be odd if we don't think about it or look at it with spiritual eyes. John 20, verse 22, when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. The word for spirit, the Greek word pneuma, it's, it's the same word for breath or air. It's where we get our English word pneumatic. Anything relating to air. And when you think about the Holy Spirit is the breath of God the Father. Think about that for a moment. What does our breath do? The breath, I mean our breath. When your breath stops, you're dead, Right? Until your breath is restored, sometimes you can come back. If there's no breath, there's no life. So we could say that our breath is what 
is our life. It's what animates us. It's what helps us do anything. And so the Holy Spirit, is, as the breath of God, is, is who helps us to do anything of any... Well, really, anything spiritual. I almost said anything of any value, but more accurately, He helps us do anything spiritual at all. He is who animates us to be living spiritual beings. Jesus made it clear to Nicodemus that unless you've been born from above, unless you've been born again, you're not, you don't know God. You're not alive. Just like you have a birthday, you may not know what the actual day is, but if you're saved by God's grace, you have a spiritual birthday. A moment when you were born and when you became alive. And I want to be clear, if you don't have that, you don't know God. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you have to know it was on July 4th like I do. You don't have to know it was on a Tuesday. You don't have to know what year it was. But anybody who knows the Lord, there has been a moment when you passed from death to life. When you were um, dead in your sins and trespasses against God and in the heaviness and brokenness of your own flesh, and when the Holy Spirit drew you to a place of understanding who He was, that you might repent through the grace of God and then be made new. If you have never had something like that, you don't know God. That's not something very many religious people talk about. And some people would think that it's unnecessarily critical or mean or even judgmental. But it's true. If you've never been born spiritually, you don't know God. You can know Him. When He deals with you, seek Him, surrender to Him, pray to Him, throw yourself on Him until you're sure that you've changed, that you're new. And once you have that, once you have Him... Then you have the Holy Spirit who is in you, helping you breathe spiritually, helping you move spiritually, helping you know what's real and true spiritually. He's the breath of God. That's briefly. I mean, we could spend, like I said, the rest of my life talking about who the Holy Spirit is, but just briefly. Who are we? We, we need to know who the Holy Spirit is and who we are to know how He works with us. We're uh, created in the image of God. What does that mean? I'm not sure the depth of all that that means. I'll just be honest. I don't think I could tell you everything it means because the Lord is still opening my spiritual eyes to what it means. But at least... Fundamentally what it means, at least part of what it means, is that we have a spirit which can know and commune with God. In that way, we're like Him. Well, scripture teaches us, His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So being created in the image of God, at least part of what that means is we're not just um, a cousin of a monkey. We're not just an animal who can think on a higher level. We're not just a carbon life form who's going to go back to the dirt one day. We have inside of us something eternal because it's made in the image of God. And I know for, for people who've grown up in church, I'm repeating things you know already, but this is on my heart. I think sometimes we get away from fundamental truth and lose sight of that 
and how significant it is. If we've been made in God's image, we are, we are like Him in that way, and there's a part of us that, that is um, never going to go away. I almost said we'll never die. But there are people who don't know God, who when their body dies, they're going to die over and over for the rest of eternity. That's called hell. Terrible place. Terrible idea. Somewhere we don't want to go. Somewhere I don't want anybody to go. My worst enemy, people who've hurt me, people who've harmed innocent children, I don't even want them to go to hell. But God for His children has created a way that we will live forever. And that life starts in this life through the Holy Spirit. Another way to understand what we are or who we are, Jesus said in Luke 10, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. People are made up, and I don't have time to dig into this, but Jesus identifies heart, soul, and mind. I've often said we're two-part beings, and you've probably heard that. You've probably said it. What I mean when I say that is there's a part of us that is redeemed by God and there's a part of us that's corrupt. That's what I mean by two-part. But functionally, God has created and He wouldn't make this distinction. Jesus wouldn't make this distinction if there wasn't a difference in spirit, soul, and mind. And heart. There's, the Scripture talks about heart as well. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the breath of God. He is the... Um, words fail. He's the person of God who interacts with us now. He's the one we know. He's the one who's here. I've mentioned this before, but it, it, people say Jesus was with us today. Not theologically accurate. Jesus is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is here through the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just trying to get us tangled up in ideas. It matters. Because Jesus says, I have to leave so that the comforter, the advocate, the, the helper can come. And he's with us and he's in us and he never goes away. He doesn't have a bodily form. He doesn't, he doesn't have to walk somewhere. If you've been saved, he's in your heart. If I've been saved, he's in my heart. If you've been saved, he's in your heart. All at the same time. And he can speak to us as we're here in this congregation individually what we need to hear. It amazes me how a man of God or a sister of God or a brother, somebody can get up and speak something that the Lord put on their heart and the Holy Spirit takes it individually to different people and shows them what they need. It's beautiful. If I come here prepared by God to preach, and you come here prepared to listen, each one of you will get something a little bit different out of the message. And that's something I don't have the capacity to make happen. Only God can do that. That's the Holy Spirit. It's how He works. It's who He is. One last thing in talking about ourselves. Um, we are so... 
helpless and hopeless that we can't even know our own selves without the help of God. I'm a naturally introspective person. I, I look inside, I think, I, 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 I wrestle with intuitive feelings I have. And, and, and it, for me, it's not so much intellectual thoughts rolling in my head as it is deep things that I feel and then I try to understand what they mean. That's how I'm wired. But I want you to understand, no matter how introspective you are, no matter how much you can sit with yourself and feel what's inside your own self, which Scripture tells us to do, we have to recognize that only the Holy Spirit can show us who we really are. There's a Scripture that says, who knows the spirit of, of, of a man save his spirit? The spirit of a man who knows himself. But I want to tell you, it's deeper than that. Only God's Spirit can really show you you. You can deceive yourself looking at your own self. I, I've said this a couple times since I got married, and I don't say it lightly. But I think it applies here. I thought I was a nicer person than I am before I was married. God has shown me things through being married, through being in that covenant relationship with a person who is the exact opposite of me. Not just biologically, but as far as personality. And God in His providence knew what He was doing. And He she showed me things through His Spirit that I never saw about myself. Things I don't like. Things that hurt. That's how it is. The Holy Spirit shows us stuff that we can't even see. And uh, it's not all negative. He shows us things, maybe not to our minds, but in our spirits about other people that they may need for us to feel or sense or know in order to minister to them that is deeper than our mind. I can't tell you the number of times I've interacted with a person and known something in here that they needed, even though I couldn't put it in words, even though I didn't know the information. That's the Holy Spirit. And He helps us that way. So, speaking of information, let's talk about this for a moment. I said this recently, we're in the most information-saturated age of time in the history of the world, as far as I know from history. We have more information and more immediate access to information than any generation before us. We have in our pockets or on our hips or wherever you carry it, a computer that we call a phone, which we don't even use like a phone anymore. How many of you actually like answering the phone? I, hardly, my generation doesn't do that. I'm a realtor and I don't even turn my ringer on. That's how much we don't like the telephone. But this computer has so much computing power, it's more in my pocket than we used to send the first uh, rocket to space. Information, non-stop. And here's what I, I want to make uh, the point with saying all of that. Information's not enough. If information was enough, then... God's people would be closer to Him than ever. And I think the opposite is, seems to be true. The more information we have, the more noise there is, the more chaos there is, the more separating us from His presence. We don't lack information, we lack power. We don't lack information, we lack knowing what God wants us to do. Information alone is utterly inadequate to speak to a person's innermost needs. That's what I'm talking about. I don't care how much information you tell me about yourself. 
I don't know what you need. Sometimes I've gone as a visiting preacher to a congregation and some well-meaning deacon or other person will come and try to start telling me about where the church is at, their needs. And I, and I, I usually politely tell them, I don't want to know. I don't need to know that. I don't need to know this brother hasn't been coming and this one this and this one that. I don't need to know. All I need to know is what does God want me to preach? And that doesn't come from me knowing information about you. It comes from what God witnesses in my spirit. Information alone is completely inadequate to speak to a person's innermost needs. That's why God has given us more than the Bible. And I want to take a little time on this because we're in, again, a religious time that's saturated with information as well. There are um, religious groups who believe that this book that I'm holding in one hand is all that God has given us. They don't believe in the active, indwelling person of the Godhead called the Holy Spirit. There are religious groups who, verbally, in their statement of faith and practice, that's what they believe. But even those of us who claim to believe and know the Holy Spirit, I think many of us live as if He's not real. God has given us so much more than information. If you need to know what to do about a particular situation in your life, He can tell you. He might tell you by looking in this book, but He's given you more than a book. He can tell you deeper than something that has to go through your eyeballs into your brain and be processed as thought. He can show you deeper than that. And that doesn't diminish the importance of this book. We'll talk about that. But God has given us much more than the Bible, and that's why Jesus left us with more than just eyewitness accounts of what He did while He was here. Jesus didn't say, I'm going away, and some of these people who've been watching me are going to write about what I did while I was here, and then you're going to read that, and you'll know what to do. He said, I'm going away, and I'm sending you the Comforter, the living embodiment of my Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He is the Spirit of truth. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying the Bible's not important or don't study the Bible. No, no, no. It is important and you should study it because the more you know of the written Word of God, the better equipped you will be to understand what He shows you with His Holy Spirit. But what I'm telling you is, you can be saved without ever seeing a Bible. You can serve God without really... I know people who've served the Lord that were illiterate. They couldn't read the Bible. It doesn't mean you should be illiterate. It doesn't mean that's preferable. Of course not. But God is not limited by what we can stick between leather bindings. And there are too many religious people who elevate a written book to an idolatrous level. Somebody who had a lot of influence on me, Brother Brad Wheeler, I remember when I was in college, he said, nowhere in the Bible... Does it say, Brad Wheeler, you're saved? Amen? Nowhere does the Bible tell any of us we're saved. 
the written word of God has limitations. There are things that the Bible can't do that only God can do through His Holy Spirit. The most important things. The Bible can't save you. The Bible can't convict you of your sin. Not the book. The Holy Spirit does that. He's alive and He speaks to your spirit deeper than something you process into your brain through your eyeballs. Jesus has left us with the Holy Spirit. I mentioned this already, but Jesus didn't just give us religion. He didn't just pass down religious custom and tradition. He didn't just give us rules and regulations. He gave us a new and living way. He gave us Himself, who we know through His Spirit. Let's talk a little bit, since we're talking about who the Holy Spirit is and who we are and how we know Him and how He works, uh, let's talk a little bit about who He's not. I'll say it again. The Holy Spirit is not the Bible. We're surrounded by people who are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Some of the most biblically literate people in history are most likely in hell right now. Do you realize that? I mean, the people who killed Jesus were some of the most biblically literate. And it wasn't the Bible as we call it now. They had the, the, the Old Testament, Moses and the prophets. But how we think of it, they were the most scripturally literate people. They killed Jesus. Do you know how many seminary professors are atheists? It would surprise you. There's a lot. Religious information doesn't automatically make you know God. Knowing information in the Bible doesn't automatically make you know God. It's very important. I'll say it this way. It's important to know the Bible, but it's vital to know God. You can know the Bible and not know God. If you don't know God, you're not going to make it. And knowing God is the only way you can really know the Bible. Jesus said in one place, John chapter 5, He was telling people who didn't get it, who were they knew too much in their heads and not enough in their spirits. He said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. In other words, he told these people, look in the, Bible, look in the scriptures, you think, based on the scriptures, you're alive. But you don't recognize that these same scripture writers testified that I would come, that I am God, His Son, and my, me and my Father are one. You reject all of that. You think you have life based on Moses and the prophets and you don't recognize what they were actually telling you. In other words, he told the people, you're, you're trusting in a, something false. And if you dig in and see the truth of this writing, you'll realize based on that, you don't even know him. Also, I want to point out the Holy Spirit is not the word of God. He couldn't be the Bible if he's not the word of God. He's the breath of God. He's the spirit of God. He's the moving, living person of God. He is who guides us into all truth. 
You don't want to know what you should do in your job? Spend time with the Spirit. You don't want to know what you should do in your marriage? Spend time with the Spirit. You want to know what you should do about this congregation? Spend time with the Holy Spirit. You want to know who your pastor should be? Spend time with the Holy Spirit. Somebody listening to this, you're looking for a wife or husband? Spend time with the Holy Spirit. You want to know how to raise your children up to know and fear and trust and love God? Spend time with the Holy Spirit. I feel so inadequate in trying to describe him. I feel like all the language I know is so incomplete in trying to describe him. Maybe I could just say he's everything. I want to read you something Watchman Nee wrote. Watchman Nee was a man of God, a preacher, Chinese missionary who spent a lot of his life in prison for speaking the truth. He said this, It is possible to be filled with Bible knowledge and at the same time be totally lacking in the light of God. Knowledge discovered in the power of the Holy Spirit is God's light. While God's light stored in the human mind and memorized in the human mind becomes knowledge. There's no doubt that knowledge as well as experience has its place in the Bible, yet knowledge severed from the Holy Spirit's power is dead. Light is able to give us a profound impression which knowledge cannot give. Amen. There's times I read something a brother or sister of God wrote that there's no way I could capture it as well as they did, so I need to just read it. Light is able to give us a profound impression which knowledge cannot give. You you know this if you know God, but it needs to be repeated. You can know God in a way that's deeper than anything your mind can process. With a certainty and a confidence and a faithfulness. So that no matter what might come your way in this life, you can rest assured and confidently knowing who He is, what He'll do, what He has done and what He'll continue to do. You can know Him. Let me just say kind of what Watchman Nee said in my own words. Information is no substitute for experience. Have you heard preachers who get up and, and you're like, he's really smart. He said a bunch of stuff. He, he's really studied. But you walk away completely unchanged. You know what I'm talking about? And then you've heard people that maybe he's not as smart. Maybe he's not as well spoken. Maybe he's not as smooth in his speech. And there's something there. That is the power of God. That's only possible through the Holy Spirit. Supposed theological knowledge. I mean, there's a lot of smart people in our generation. People much smarter than I am. But supposed theological knowledge is woefully inadequate compared to spiritual revelation. 
I'm not that old yet, but I want you to know, I, I, re- I think this is accurate. I know God in a deeper way than my mind can even explain. And as you get older, and as your mind becomes less and less sharp, less and less capable, if you follow the path God is pleased with, you'll continue to know Him more and more deeply. Isn't that beautiful that the depth of the knowledge of God isn't restrained by our own feebleness? Isn't that beautiful? Some of the times I've known God the deepest are in some of my weakest physical moments. I haven't been old yet. My grandfather told me when I was young, he said, you're the only young man I know that knows what it's like to be old. Because I I spent a lot of time very ill and um, weak and aware of my own inability. And it's not about me, but I'll just say I know what it's like to not be able to remember somebody I've known for years. Can't even remember their name. Couldn't remember how to get home sometimes. Sometimes I was so weak I, I couldn't pick up a gallon of water. I remember when I was 19 years old. I went to stay with my grandparents and my mom dropped me off and my grandmother had to get my suitcase out of the car. My grandma. Because I couldn't. Some of you have been weak like that. My own wife, you know, spent some time paralyzed. I mean, neck down paralyzed. She knows even better maybe than I do. Some of you know what it's like to be trapped inside your own mind and not be able to remember things you think you should be able to. Listen, the Holy Spirit can work in spite of all of that. In spite of your weakness, in spite of what you've lost, the Holy Spirit can continue to help you know Him better and deeper. That's what I'm trying to tell you with that. It's not about me, but some of my weakest times are the times that I felt like God showed me Himself most clearly, and I had no capacity for deep theological knowledge. My brain wouldn't even work right in those times. You can't remember how to get home. You're not going to be able to explain some complicated theology. But God still helped me preach. Isn't that beautiful? So let's talk about preaching for a minute, and and I won't be much longer, but I feel like I have to get this in as we talk about the Holy Spirit and how He works with His people. I mentioned um, we've all heard preachers that sound good, that say good things, and we walk away completely unaffected and unchanged. Sometimes that might be because my heart's not where it should be as a listener, sometimes. But some preachers get up and say a lot of stuff and don't say anything from God. Let's be honest. Not all people who stand and say they're preachers preach in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. And that is God's people. I want to tell this church and any church, that is what we must have. Men who preach messages from God. Not essays from the Bible. It's not enough for me to string together some logic that I got out of a book. I need to have something from God that you need. Biblical preaching is done, as Paul says, in power and demonstration of the Spirit. And we could just paraphrase what he said. He says, when I was among you, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my preaching was not in uh, excellency of speech or of man's wisdom. 
declaring unto you the testimony of God. He, he says, I, I preached in the power and demonstration of the Spirit. Did Paul have the mental capacity to blow their minds? Yeah. Have you read Romans? <laughs> I still don't understand most of it. But he didn't try to do that. He tried to preach in a way that it was so real and raw and present that it could only come from the Holy Spirit. That's the power and demonstration of the Spirit. That's when you walk away. Maybe you don't prefer the man's delivery. Maybe you don't even like him. Let's be honest. I've heard some preachers preach. I don't even like them very much as a person. They have a personality that rubs me the wrong way. As just me. It doesn't mean I'm right. But I've heard those same people when God gets in the matter and I sit there moved and say, wow. And I've heard some people preach that I like a whole lot. Intellectually, theologically, we agree. Man, we're like this. And there have been times I've heard them preach and I've been completely unchanged. There's times you've heard me preach probably that there wasn't much in it, if it's too much of myself. And maybe there's been times that it was the power of God. That's what I pray for. The power of God, how do we, how do we get the power of God? The power of God comes in preaching, only through the Holy Spirit. When a man is preaching, not from a place of intellectual knowledge, but from a place of spiritual revelation. The only way you're going to get somebody to preach to you what God needs you to hear is if he's spent time with God. Not just time in the Bible. Not just time thinking about God. Not just time in prayer, but time being dealt with by God. That's how he should prepare. In his preparations, he needs to be dealt with by God. He needs God to reveal to him his own self so that he can know what he's not capable of and what God must do. I don't know how it is for other preachers when they prepare for a message, but when God is really in the matter and when, when I really get out of the way and let him help me, it's like, a, it's like nothing else. It's like a breaking down of me. I mean, God is near to those who are of a broken and crushed spirit. He's near to those who have a contrite heart. I mean, when the Lord really helps me preach first, He has to strip down every illusion of self-reliance I have. Anything I thought I knew, anything I thought I had figured out, anything I thought I could explain, it all just evaporates. And then He puts something in there. Maybe an impression maybe an urge, maybe a, a, a burden that is deeper than anything I can just tell you in my mind. And the only way that happens is if we rely on Him. We have to rely on God to show us His will and provide a message for the people. And the people listening have to rely on God to open their hearts and hear only God knows what this church needs. Only God knows what the congregation needs. This, this body. And only God knows what you need in your individual hearts. I don't know. I want to close with that idea of the body.
the head knows what each body part needs. The pastor is not the head. The preacher is not the head. The deacon sure isn't the head. I don't know where a lot of our churches, deacons got the idea they were the boss. They're not. And the pastor's not the boss. We're supposed to be a body that is functioning under the instruction of the head, Jesus Christ. And only the head knows what you need. Listen, my ear doesn't know what my eye needs. My hand doesn't know what my foot needs. And not only that, but sometimes a weak body part can affect another body part. I mean, think about it. You, you have a foot problem and it causes your knee to overcompensate, which causes a hip problem, which makes your back sore. I have this tiny little, like, I don't know what it is, a wart or something on my foot that makes me limp. And if I'm out working all day, my back gets sore from that one little bitty thing. Listen how important it is, brothers and sisters, you might be the smallest body part. You might not be the mouth. You might not be something apparent or visible. Maybe you're just the little toe of this church. But if you're out of balance with God, it has an effect on the body. I'm not talking about being physically weak. You can be physically weak all you want to. That works <laughs> with God. I'm talking about being spiritually imbalanced. Not where you need to be. It's important. It's important we... Seek the Lord individually and get ourselves where we need to be. Romans 8, Paul reminds us, this is beautiful. I, I want us to think about it as we finish. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. He makes intercession with words that can't be uttered. Listen, the Holy Spirit, that's what we're talking about. That's who we're talking about. The Holy Spirit prays for you. In ways that you don't even know how to pray for yourself. He intercedes with God for you in ways that you don't even know you need. We really have to worry about in light of that. That's why the apostles wrote about welcoming weakness and, and tribulations and sufferings. Because in those times, we get to see how active the Holy Spirit is in our lives. I don't know how to sum up this message or finish this effort, except to say the Holy Spirit is everything that we need. He is how we serve the Father. He is how we know what to do. He's how we know where we should be and, and what He would be pleased with. And I, I pray that we would spend our energy knowing Him better. I don't know what else to say. I don't have some neat finish up. I don't even... The Lord knows. He knows what we need, and I thank Him for that. God bless you all. Thank you for listening.